0: It's morning, and it's Macabre. Welcome back to Monday morning. Macabre. Back to they're back. Welcome to Monday morning. Macabre. Unless this is your first time listening, then happy New Year. Nope, not, it's not going to nope, be New Year. It'll but be comes a out. day before New Year's game right now. Who? <laughs> all right. <clears <clears throat> <clears throat> throat> Welcome to Monkey Monkey. Welcome to the Monkey Morning Macab. <laughs> Let's know. Holy oh, shit! All of this is going to get it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> this is off to a great oh, start, man. Welcome to Monday morning, Macabre. The podcast where we talk about creepy things, spooky stuff, true crime, folklore, mysteries, macabre things, macabre things. It's Scones and Darcy here after Christmas, post Christmas, post Christmas. We got gifts. Did you, I assume you got gifts. Yes. I got gifts. I got a full human skeleton and a giant spider. You got a full human skeleton and a giant spider? Yes. What did you get? (laughs) Wait, I got a uh, a pair of socks. (laughs) Nice and uh, some shoes. Oh, and I got bats as a stocking stocking stuff. You got all on brand. You got three on brand. <laughs> it's items. all about branding if we're gonna make it. <laughs> that's pretty exciting. I my in laws got me a sweatshirt with a bunch of horror movie characters on it. That's really cool. And I was like, that's pretty sweet. So that was dope. Was Wolfman from Monster Squad on there? Not from Monster Squad, but uh, like the Wolfman was on there. He did have Nards though. That <laughs> you had you had both Pennywises. Both of them. Yeah, they had wow. the, the Tim Curry and uh, the modern uh, what? Spen Spencegard- Scarsgard. Scarsgard. Bill. I think it's Bill. Okay. Regardless, that's not important. What is important? I'm going to be bringing you the story today, Scones. Did it come to you on Christmas? It came. To me, it came down my Christmas tree. Today, we're going to be talking about what is known as the American Dyatlov Pass incident. What the listeners don't know is that we did an extensive Dyatlov Pass, like three f- hour. Our first recording ever, ever we we recorded for like three hours on the Dyalov Pass incident. It and was so scary. I remember it was at your parents' house, which is like yeah. a really old house, really old creepy it house. Was so scary. Yeah, stuff was making maybe, noise. And maybe in the future we'll release those. But yeah, that's gonna be a a hidden gem. That's hidden the, gemsters. The unreleased. That's in the vault. That's yeah. But today we're gonna be talking about American D- Dyalov Pass, also known as the Yuba County Five. What have you ever heard of the the Yuba, Free County, the Yuba 5? County Five? Yeah, have you ever have you ever heard of this? No, never ever. Yeah, so this is where's Yuba County? Yuba County is in California, it's California. in the Sacramento area. Oh, so not close to Turnbull, not close to Turnbull. But the it's Yuba Yuba City, California, is the actual location. This happened in 1978, and it's a tale of five men: Jack Hewitt, who's 24. Gary Mathias, who's 25, Bill Sterling, who's 29, Ted Weir, 32, and Jack Madruga, who's 30. Oh, so they're all about in our range range. Yeah. They're, in, when they're in our wheelhouse here. They're in our wheel. They're in our spooky wheelhouse. Yeah. So they're five friends. What's interesting about them is that they all had, in some way, some form of mental or psychological disability. So Ooh. Uh, They're like the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> um so bill sterling ted weir jack madruga and jack hewitt uh had they had intellectual disabilities uh they were quote slow learners does Um, that just mean like it's like low iq slash like it's not like like, i feel like this is one of those things where they just had dyslexia no 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 no. this is like very much like a high functioning uh intellectually disabled individuals oh that i retract that x-men comment (laughs) I thought you meant they were gonna be like all had dyslexia or no, something no, no, like no, no, that, no. <laughs> or ADHD. <laughs> no, like they all had like low IQ, slow learners, but they were self sufficient. The only one who didn't, who wasn't like a uh, quote slow learner, was Gary Mathias. He was schizophrenic and was psychiatrically discharged from the army in the early seventies. So, oh, do we know what he's was discharged for? Uh, yeah, he like drug abuse. He was he was stationed in Germany. Uh, drug oh, and abuse. He, was, and, he was dipping into those German drugs. Yeah, the, and the Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah, he had a little too much Schnitzel, got a little crazy, had some violent outbursts, and came back in the early seventies after being discharged. It was the, it was a different time. It was the seventies, man. It was the seventies. You can eat, eat as much Schnitzel as you want. <laughs> now, Jack, Bill, Ted, and Jack. Excellent Madrew. adventure. <laughs> <laughs> this is not so excellent at all. <laughs> Wait till we excellent. get into it. Not as excellent as you might imagine. They, the, the, so the core four group of Jack Hewitt, Bill Sterling, Ted Weir, and Jack Madruga, they were all, they all met and were like close friends because they all went to the same rehabilitation center, slash like they all, so that's where they all met in this rehabilitation center. And then Gary Mathias joined, like kind of joined the group in the year that this happened. So he kind of like started going. He's the new kid. Yeah. He came through he's the rehabilitation. He's the smalls of the crew. Right. So he's like the new guy, but they all become friends and all their parents would lovingly refer to them as the boys, which kind of. The boys. kind of shows the way the parents viewed them more as like children than like really adults. Uh, yeah, they're their, just the boys. They're, you know, uh, stunted. Right. Exactly. Intellectual. The five of them love sports. Uh, They played in a basketball league sponsored by a local program for the mentally handicapped put on by their rehabilitation center. Uh, And their team name was the Gateway Gators. That's sick. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a dope name. So on February 25th, they were supposed to play their first game in a week-long tournament sponsored by the Special Olympics. And whoever won the tournament got to play in like the full Special Olympic like events. So they're all really stoked about that. And the night before, many of the boys like prepared their jerseys and set them out on their beds and made sure the parents got them up to like get ready and everything because they were so excited. So they all got together that night and they decided to drive 50 miles north to the town of Chico to watch and cheer on the UC Davis basketball team who was playing Chico state. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So UC Davis was like their team. they were big fans of them. So they're like, Hey, we're going to go to this basketball game. We're going to cheer on our favorite team. And then tomorrow we're going to ball out university, California, Santa Claus. (laughs) Exactly. So, Madruga and Matias were the only two who had driver's licenses, so Madruga volunteered to drive that day. He picks up the rest of the the, the gang, the boys. So the boys. This is such a wholesome group of dudes. Yeah, it is. So he picks them up in his 1969 White Mercury Montego, Ooh. and they all head to the game. So UC Davis wins the game, and the boys drive from Chico State campus to a nearby Bears Market in downtown Chico. A bear's market? Uh, B-E-H-R. It's a person's name. Oh, like the paint. Like what? There's a bank paint called bear. Oh, yeah. Like bear. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Like the paint. Like the paint. Um, The listeners know about the paint. (laughs) I thought you were referring to basketball. (laughs) I'm relating to them. (laughs) So they buy snacks, sodas, and cartons of milk to drink. And this was shortly before 10 p.m. We know this because an employee working there recalled this as she was trying to close up. So she's trying to close up shop and was agitated by the large group. This is bear? Yeah. Well, or what of the employee, I don't know if it was actually the bear individual I think it was Mrs. bear. Yeah, it was it was bear mama <laughs> and she was like, "Hey, get out of here. I'm trying to close up." So she was kind of agitated, so she recalls pretty clearly that they were there around 10. This is the last time anyone sees the boys alive. Mama Bear was the last one. Yeah. So this is this is it. Now this is where things get weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terrible like edit like <laughs> The parents of the boys all waited up to make sure that the boys come home because obviously they are individuals who kind of are monitored closely by their parents. Mm -hmm. But by morning, none of them had. So the parents notify the police and the police in Butte and Yuba counties begin searching along the route. The men took to Chico as one would do. Boy. However, they find no sign of the boys or of the vehicle. But a few days later, a Plumas National Forest Ranger told police that he had seen the Montego parked along the Oroville-Quincy Road in the forest on February 25th. Ooh. So a forest ranger... Wait, so does that day match up? Yes. Okay, so it's the same night that he finds it. No, so, it was there, so he notices a car. When, he was like the, when does he find the car versus... He finds the, Okay, so he notices the car on the 25th. He did not consider it important at the time because many people cross-country ski in the area oh. through the extensive trail system. So he was like, okay, this is... People just skiing. Yeah, people probably just cross country skiing. But after reading the police bulletin, he recognized the car and contacts the police. Oh, so, so that's this is not, after. That's yeah, that's I believe it's three days later. On okay. the twenty eighth, he contacts the police. So he contacts the police, he says, Hey, I saw this truck that matches the description of the one that you're looking for. And the police get to the car, the car was unlocked, a window was rolled down, and it contained the wrappers and empty cans from the food they had bought at the berry market, along with a neatly folded roadmap of California. All right, so they they're they're like they have high confidence that this is the the exactly car. It's definitely the for. car, yeah, right? What's weird is the car was found seventy miles north of Chico, far away from any direct route to Yuba City. Oh, they overshot that. So they went in a completely different direction, seventy miles north of where the basketball game was, and no explanation as to why that would be. They just really wanted to go skiing. I don't know. I don't know why they'd want to go skiing at 10 p.m. in the middle of winter with not, they were all in light jackets. They did not have like proper snow gear. Yeah. So no real explanation for that. Now, none of the families could speculate as to why they might have driven up this like long, winding dirt road into a high, elevated, remote forest in the middle of the night without clothing and on the night before the basketball game that they're all very excited to play in. Just guys being guys. Yeah, basically, that's that's pretty much the best guess as anyone has. Yeah, me and my friends like to go to elevated Just areas dudes. in the forest in the middle of the night. So Madruga's parents said that he did not like the cold weather and had never been to the mountains, so they're like, I don't know why he would drive them up there because he hates the cold and he's never been there. Uh Sterling's father, Bill Sterling's father mentioned that he had taken his son there when he was younger for a fishing trip. But the son like did not have a good time and refused to go there again on future trips. He's like, I hate this. I'm not. A, I'm not into fishing. I'm into balling out. Yeah, he wants to go to the blacktop. Yeah, exactly. The car was stuck in a snowdrift. There was evidence that the tires were spun in an attempt to get the car out of the snowdrift, but police could not explain why the boys couldn't have gotten out and just pushed the car out of the snow as it was not very deep. So another strange, like they're like, why wouldn't you just get the car out? Yeah, I mean, you. are so five. Like it's- like dudes you can probably push out this car now keys were missing so this leads the police to think that the car had malfunctioned or ran out of gas so they left it however they managed to hotwire the car tell that? what yeah can't they tell how much gas is left in a car yeah so they hotwire it and they find that there's still a quarter tank of gas oh. so they're like, okay that's also super weird what the hell like why would you leave Is this give be one of those ones where nothing makes sense um yes <laughs> For the I mean, like, there's not a lot that makes sense, uh, but there is some interesting speculation that we'll get into. I'm going to speculate wildly. Yeah, do it. Get wild with it. So the police then towed the vehicle and had it further inspected. The Montego's undercarriage had no dents, gouges, or even mud scrapes, not even on its low-hanging muffler, despite having been driven a long distance up a mountain road with many bumps and ruts. So what they speculate from this is that the driver would have either been very careful, or whoever was driving knew the roads and could avoid the bumps and ruts, which Madruga would not have knowledge of. So, like, that's weird, because there's so many potholes and things on this road. Yeah. You would see something. The car was found unlocked with a window rolled down, which Madruga's family said— Wait, so what are you insinuating? That the car hovered over the road? No, they're just insinuating that either (laughs) whoever— They're (laughs) saying— Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) floated right (laughs) over all the potholes. The, yeah, that— Either the driver was being super, super cautious. Oh, he was like ski skirt. Yeah. Or whoever was driving knew the route so well that he knew how to avoid it, which uh, Madruga oh, would not have been able to. Which right. they don't, except for the kid who went there once but he didn't like fishing because yeah. he wanted to. And he was really young. There's friends. no way that they would have been able to know where all these rivet like divots and everything are. Oh, man. Rivets and divots. Rivets and divots. Now, Madruga's family said it's very out of the ordinary for the car to be unlocked and the windows to be rolled down because Madruga was very careful to keep his car secure at all times. So, like, that's super weird. So more questions start mounting. A severe snowstorm hampers the investigation. Gets hampered. Yeah, but two days later, searchers took snowmobiles to search the area, but also got almost got lost themselves, and they found no signs of the boys. So, that's the initial mystery. Now, sightings get called in in response to local media coverage. So police receive uh, always report. reliable. Yeah. Oh yeah. So they repeat. They receive hundreds of reports, and like you said. Not a lot of them are BS or not reliable or what have you. However, two of them stood out. Joseph Scones of Sacramento told police he inadvertently wound up spending the night of February 24th to the 25th near where the Montego was found. He had driven up there where he had a cabin to check the snowpack in advance of a weekend ski trip that he was taking with his family going to check out the snowpack? Yeah, he was just... Trying, people do that before I, you go skiing? I have no idea. I don't ski. <laughs> you know but apparently, I mean that's the thing people do. If you ski, right in about if snow your packs. family goes to the resort first and checks out this, the snowpack. Maybe, snow, maybe it's like a Californian skiing thing. I don't know. I don't know either. But at, at, So, at 5.30 p.m., he also got stuck in the snow. So, in the process of trying to free his car, he realized he was beginning to experience the early symptoms of a heart attack and went back into his car... <laughs> uh, so that he could get heat from the this end. He's like, having his own disaster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's having a, not a great time either. Yeah. So he starts maybe just everyone on the, I think this that place night. is haunted. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a, <laughs> Native American burial ground or right. A haunted. So <laughs> he gets the, heart. <laughs> yeah. Eddie Murphy's <laughs> in the trees. <laughs> and he he's like blasted by an avalanche. He <laughs> 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 say Eddie Murphy's in the trees. Yeah. It's, he's like, watch me on he's SNL. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just doing that like hand thing. He does. Yeah. Um, so six hours later, lying in the car and experiencing severe pain, he told police, he saw headlights coming up behind him. Looking out, he saw a car parked behind him, headlights on with a group of people around it. One of which seemed to be a woman holding a baby. A woman holding a baby. He calls out to them for help, but then they stopped talking and turned their headlights out. Later he saw more <laughs> Yeah, so like he was like, help her. Don't go the cops. Get, get the baby out. <laughs> so later he sees more lights from behind him, this time flashlights. That also went out when he called to them. So this dude's having <laughs> the worst luck of a night where he's like, someone please help me. And everyone's like, nah, fam. I'm imagine out. Imagine having a heart attack and everyone that you it try to help dips. like scatters like cockroaches <laughs> under the fridge, like, oh yeah. shit. <laughs> so after these two sightings happen, Scones said Scones, Scones? Scones said it Sconces. first. Sconces. Sconces said it first. He recalled a pickup truck parking 20 feet behind him briefly. And then, continuing on down the road, he later clarified to police that he could not be sure of that, since at the time he was almost delirious from the pain he was in. After Scones' car ran out of gas in the early morning hours, his pain subsided enough for him to walk the eight miles down the road to a lodge, where the manager drove him back home, passing the abandoned Montego. At that point, <laughs> drove him home. Yeah, he's in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I need my mom, <laughs> I need to go home. just gonna pop some Benadryl. I'll be fine. Yeah. So he gets driven back home, passes the abandoned Montego where he recalled the voices originating from, and doctors later confirmed that he indeed experienced a mild heart attack. So, I mean, good for this dude for being like, yo heart attack time, gotta hop in the car. <laughs> but and he, also, like, drove all the way down, got another ride to yeah, his house, yeah. and apparently he didn't go to the hospital. Did he just go home and, like, funnel baby aspirin was, into his mouth? Yeah, I guess, but he, yeah, so he had a, he, he's feeling severe pain, and then everything cooled down, and he was like, I'm outie. And the other notable report was from a woman who worked at a store in the small hamlet of Brownsville, which is 30 miles from the spot where the car had been abandoned. Did you say a small hamlet? Hamlet. Yeah. A small a hamlet? town. Small town of Brownsville. It's called a hamlet? That's like what small towns are. Yeah. I didn't, I've never heard of that. Egg. Are you sure you didn't mean village? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you, okay. Say village. <laughs> so whatever you want. On March 3rd, the woman who saw flyers that had been distributed with the men's uh, faces told deputies that four of them had stopped at the store in a red pickup truck. Two days after the disappearance, the store owner corroborated her account. The woman said she identified the men immediately as from out of the area due to their, quote, big eyes and facial expressions. I don't, like, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but that seems offensive. They got big eyes and facial expressions. Yeah, we had a couple of big eye facial expression guys come down here of a weird extraction. Everyone down here just closes their eyes entirely (laughs) and is just stone face. The whole Hamlet is like that. So two of the men two of the men two of the men who two of the men two of the men two of the men Two of the men Two and a half right. men <laughs> God damn it Two of the men who she identified as Hewitt and Sterling were in the phone booth outside while the other two went inside Police said she was a credible witness and they took her account seriously However Hewitt's brother said that this was very unlikely because Hewitt hated taking phone calls and he would have his brother talk for him on the phone Ooh so that kind of that one seems suspicious to me because it almost seems like, hey, after these flyers got sent out with money like rewards, they were like, "Oh, we saw them for sure." Like, yeah, I don't of know. course, you kidding me? They were all over the hamlet here. Yeah, are right. trucks and they're big. And eyes. They're like, what do they look like? They're like, uh, big eyes and funny expressions, <laughs> like mouths uh, and a nose. <laughs> uh, they're onto something. They know, <laughs> give them the money. <laughs> yeah. So, fast forward to June fourth. After the snow had melted, motorcyclists went to a trailer maintained by the Forest Service at a campsite about 20 miles off the road where the Montego was found. They opened the door, and they were overcome by an odor which turned out to be decaying body inside. na-na. So the body was later identified as Weirs. The next day, police searched the area and found two more bodies, Madruga and Sterling. These were 12 miles from the road where the car was. So we got two more left we got two more left. Three bodies found, two more left. Madruga's body was partially consumed by wildlife, while Sterling's body was just bones scattered around the area. So, autopsy showed that they had both died of hypothermia. Two days later, Jack Hewitt's backbone was found, and unfortunately, it was found by his father, who had joined the search party. Ooh. Yeah, which is... What's the backbone? Just the backbone? What? What's the backbone? I assume a spine. Oh, the whole spine. Jesus. Yeah, like Mortal Kombat style. So, he got ripped, like, a predator got him? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so his father finds the backbone under a bush two miles from the trailer. His death was also from hypothermia. So that's oh, rough. That's grisly. That's grisly atoms. In an area to the northwest of the trailer, roughly a quarter mile from it, searchers found three forest service blankets and a rusted flashlight by the road. I could not be determined how long these items had been there. They so now they know where four four of, of the bodies were? Yeah. So who's the one person? So Gary Math- Mathias is the one person who is missing. And what was his deal? Did, Did He have... was a schizophrenic who had just joined oh, the friend group. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So they presumed he had not taken his medication, obviously, for the factors that are at play. And pictures of him were distributed to mental institutions all over California. However, no trace has ever been found. He has never been seen again. Really? They've never found a body. They don't know. They've never seen him again. So he just, he's think- gone. So I'm thinking he just went nuts and killed the other four. It's possible, but we'll get into some of the, uh, that's that's a theory that's out there. Or like took the keys and ran, and they all ran after him and died in the cold. So we'll go, th- I've got some evidence, and then we'll go through yeah, the Yeah, hit theories. me with the evidence. So in the trailer, Weir's body was on a bed with eight sheets wrapped around it, including his head. The autopsy showed that he had died of a combination of starvation and hypothermia. He had lost nearly half of his 200 pounds, and the growth of his beard suggested that he lived as long as 13 weeks from when he was last shaved. What the fuck? Yeah. His feet were badly frostbitten, almost gangrenous. Now, what was most puzzling to the investigation was how Weir had come to his fate. No fire had been set in the trailer's fireplace despite an ample supply of matches and paperback novels to use as kindling. Heavy forestry clothing, which could have kept the men warm, also remained where it had been stored. A dozen sea ration cans from the storage shed outside had been opened and their contents consumed, but a locker in the same shed that had an even greater assortment of dehydrated foods, enough to keep all five men alive for a year, had not even been opened. Similarly, another shed held a butane tank, which had a valve that, had it been opened, would have fed the trailer's heating system. So they could have had food, shelter, and like warmth for... A long time, an ample amount of time, but none of that seemed to have been used. According to Weir's family, this behavior was consistent with how Weir acted. They described him as having a lack of common sense arising from his mental disability. He often questioned why he should stop at a stop sign, and one night he needed to be dragged out of bed while his bedroom ceiling was burning in a house fire, since he was worried about missing his job the next day if he left the bed. Oh, so that explains why maybe he didn't use That's definitely a big... Yeah, it's probably the best guess is that he just didn't, like... That the mental disability plays a huge factor. Yeah, and he was probably panicking, too, because of the whole situation. And, I mean, that's an overarching thing of this whole night slash... Yeah, you don't know what could have happened. You're not sure what happened due to mental disability or what was, like, you know, happenstance, what was foul play, etc. It also seemed that Weir had not been alone in the trailer and that Matthias and possibly Hewitt had been there with him. Matthias's tennis sneakers were in the trailer, and the C-rations had been opened with a P-38 can opener, which Matthias would have learned how to use during his army service. Matthias, his feet perhaps swollen from frostbite, could have decided to put Weir's shoes on instead if he had ventured outside. Now, here's where the theories start. The police basically had no explanation. They were like, they <laughs> <Good> stuff. <laughs> they thought maybe they took a wrong turn and got lost following a snowmobile track, hoping to find safety. So there was tracks from an old snowmobile, and if they had gotten lost, they might have thought, hey, this might lead to some shelter somewhere, and followed those. Still doesn't really explain why they would have gotten out of the car in the first place, or why the car would end up 70 miles north in Chico, of Chico. Yeah. So that is still a huge question mark. That is not, there's no answers for that from the police. Something maybe he had, like, a gun, I, I and don't he was th- like, keep driving, and like... It's possible. Did that guy have any connection to this area? Which guy, Matthias? The guy who wasn't the found? Schizophrenic? Yeah. Uh, not that we know of. Okay. Now, I was looking through our favorite Reddit, <laughs> the Unsolved Mystery Reddit. Unsolved Mysteries Reddit! And it's the best. There was an article that came out from the Sacramento Bee. Sacramento Bee? The Bee was given permission to access the police records from the case as long as they did not photograph or take them out of the Yuba County Sheriff's Office. They found information in the records that would indicate that it's possible that Gary Mathias was not as portrayed in the media after the disappearance. Here's the description they write in the article. Quote, These files, clips, and interviews shape a disturbing image of Mathias. Billed in virtually all media reports, at one time or another, as a lost lamb caught out in the cold, Mathias was an aberration within the flock, a young man who did not belong with the others. He was a violent schizophrenic and had a history of drug use and was, wasn't intellectually disabled like all the other four. So they're saying this dude was more, he was not, I mean, as we've said, he, he was new to the group, he was not mentally disabled, he was a schizophrenic, which is a psychological yeah, issue as opposed to, like, a lower IQ or something like that. Yeah. And it's possible that he could have had a paranoid schizophrenic episode where he convinced the rest of the group to escape, quote, danger that wasn't actually present this would explain the strange location and the irrational moves made by the five. Oh, uh, that makes sense. So that's kind of the leading theory that so I was like, someone's following us. We need to lose him, And yeah. then like so, go into the woods and like, and he had multiple, there's multiple, uh, links to records of him going off of his meds and having episodes that were either violent in nature or paranoid. Yeah. Paranoid. So my best guess as to what happened was probably that theory of maybe he had a paranoid, He had an episode, thought there was danger and was trying to save the group. And so that's how they ended up, you know, 70 miles north of Chico. And then maybe when they ran out of gas or they saw headlights coming from the other cars that Scones had noted. Because he did did say that there were multiple cars that came through. I really like Scones as character. (laughs) I think that maybe he thought... That like they had danger and then just all this happenstance happened where trucks came behind them. They thought maybe these were people coming after them or Gary Mathias could have convinced them of this. Yeah. Which caused them to run into the the wilderness. It's still not a great explanation as to how the bodies got where they were. Yeah, or, they're all over the place. And one guy's still just a spine. I don't understand that. Yeah. I mean, that has to have been wildlife. Like it must be wildlife, wildlife tearing apart the, the body. I or guess, whatever. but they wouldn't find anything else. I I mean I think they might have found a skull close by two in Reading but I can't recall specifically. Okay. But to this day it is still unsolved. Yeah, so he's he's gone in the thin air. Yep, yeah, totally vanished. No one has seen Holy him. They're going to get like a private my, a private eye on this thing. Yeah, my best we need CC Tinsley. My best uh we Do need CC Tinsley? <laughs> my best guess is that he's his body's somewhere out there. I I'd be very surprised if the body was ever if he wasn't still alive, I guess, without any sightings. And given the circumstances, I can only assume that he is also dead. dead. Yeah, that's just guess. like out in the middle of nowhere and eaten by animals. That's what I'm thinking. That's I not know. fun. No, it's better. It's crazier to think that he's out there, <laughs> that he's out there and like what year he, did this happen? This isn't the 70s. Oh, so he could still be out there. He, could, Cause he was in his 20s, right? Uh, Yeah, he's 25, I believe. So he could be way out there. Could be, but that's the that's the case of the Yuba County Five. That is the Yukonuba Championship. That of, is the YMCA Five. The that Yolo is County the, Four. <laughs> the Yolo County. <laughs> um, <laughs> can we start a basketball team called the Yolo County Four? That would be in such good taste. And also, and all the refs, refs like you need us. another player. Yeah, I was going to say there's only and four. Like players. we don't have anyone else. Or and, like, and then we forfeited every game. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up and then we walk out. Yeah. And then <laughs> that's how Gators more people out. find out about Yeah, that's how we <laughs> spread the word. So that is that is the story of the Yuba County Five that spooky, is chilling creepy no explanation spooky creepy beautiful no. spooky creepy no explanation spooky oh. creepy, creepy no, no explanation. explanation spooky Scooky, creepy no, no explanation. explanation spooky no explanation <laughs> and uh yeah that's i mean that's the that's the deep what a great episode you know <laughs> what a great <laughs> let's look <laughs> back and talk episode. about how this is probably a 10 out of 10 god perfect score five out of seven yeah, a solid Yuba uh, County 5 out of 7. As we come to the new year, the end of the decade. End of the Monday morning macabre decade. What was your favorite episode of the decade? <laughs> Let's yeah. look back. Every but, other podcast has a best ofs at this time of year. Yeah, of our last 11 episodes. The best ofs. Oh, man. I think I liked um, Big Fan of the Christmas episode. That's a I good one. I think that was a fun one. I like chimneys a lot. You like chimneys? People sleep on chimneys. If you're sleeping People on chimneys- don't sleep on a chimney. Don't get in a chimney. Don't go anywhere near a chimney. You probably read the title and were like, hey, that's that's not hey, that scary. Chimneys aren't scary. But it's a great episode. You, We're not biased <laughs> at all. Listen to chimneys. Um, Find us on the, the social medias. On the web. I'm not on the dark web. Do you think we're on the dark web? I- don't think we're on the dark web. I hope we're I not on the know. dark web. Yeah, people take. What if every info. person from all of our stories have gotten together on the dark web and been like, "What if we have a hundred thousand listeners on the dark web?" <laughs> <laughs> that would what not we're help. We're cleaning think, up on the dark web. I don't know if that's good or bad. Follow Ooh. us on our socials at Monday Morning or at MM Macabre Pod on Twitter. Monday morning macabre on Instagram F- who gives a shit about Facebook anymore <laughs> yeah so Facebook's becoming a scary place yeah don't go just don't even go to the Facebook <laughs> no don't but go to www www.mondaymorningmacabre.com for show notes and episodes and uh link to pretty much every social there right yeah yeah, yeah. and if go you want to write into us email us uh, there's an email on that website yeah And you can give us suggestions or feedback or Or say nice things or tell us we stink or tell us, say, not, don't say, say bad things. Tell them we stink bad. Yeah. Tell us we make the whole room stink. (laughs) Don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And have a good Monday. Boy. Boy.